Guys, this is part two of the episode. If you haven't heard part one yet, what are you doing here? Click on that and listen, and then come back here. For the rest of you, here's part two. I've not seen MASH yet. Sorry, this is, yeah, I was terrible. Not should have done the research. <laughs> I didn't. I'm sorry. That's but all right. I, I know, I, I know enough, of, I know, I think I know enough about it where it's like, yeah. I, I understand why it's got the reverence that it does have. I mean, it's got Alan fucking Alder in it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And he is yeah. an absolute gem in even yeah. when, even when he's an absolute shit, right? Yeah. He's still acts his arse off. Oh, he's such a good comic actor. It's unreal. Mm. Um, it, what's the Neil Simon play? He's, he's, in, he's in the film version of either who does absolutely just bring it. He brings the whole thing on his shoulders. And it's an ensemble play uh, or an ensemble film. And he is the, you know what I mean? It's all on him and his... his uh, but, so I'm not actually, I was taking the piss out. I'm not actually a, an expert on MASH. The reason why <laughs> I wanted to talk about it is because it's the first sitcom I remember making a difference. Mm. As in, I i mean, I didn't watch it. I'm not that old that I watched it first time around. Um, I think I might have caught the end of the last couple of series when I was four or five, mm. because I knew when the repeats came around. In, so 1985, um, BBC two repeated it Wednesday night was mash night okay and I was allowed to watch it before I went to bed and so I remember what so I knew when I watched it that I liked it mm. so I was aware of having seen it and remembering it but I don't remember the actual episodes from having watched it four or three years old um but even even watching the repeats as a um, as an eight or nine year old, I remember it being very very different to anything else that was on the family viewing. Mm. It, there was there, there was there was so it didn't have a laugh track in the UK. Had a laugh track in America because they weren't allowed to. But the UK didn't have a laugh track, so if you were laughing, you were genuinely laughing. You know, and I remember <clears throat> my father, who had served in active, he'd seen active service in um, Northern Ireland and Germany and Cyprus and, you know, kind of live fire stuff. Um, I remember him having solemn moments in it. And my father's not one to show emotion. Um, I, and that was the difference. The difference was, it would laugh, but then there would be a good 10 minutes without a laugh. Mm. And that was the first time. And I don't, you know what? I don't, I don't think I process, I obviously didn't process this at the age of eight. Mm. It's only in, in, in reflection I've realized, oh, that happened, that happened, that happened. So it was a very emotive show. And if you think about it, so it's about the Vietnam War. It was made at the time first broadcast at the time it's about the korean war it was first broadcast at the time of the vietnam war 
That's a pretty big fucking deal. For a that's sitcom, a real, Yeah, that's a big deal for America. America, who has to always love itself and be the good guy. And here you have a sitcom actively criticizing what which is completely different to the book by the way where the author was um actually i can't remember his name richard L- anyway, the author was a little bit dismayed at how the tv show portrayed his book because his book was more about antics and and the author himself was quite right-wing and a republican so he didn't like the negative aspects of of america if not the bad guy, the dubious, you know, because it did it would go often out of its way to show the other side of the story. And you really rarely get the other side of the story. There was one episode of the pilot, uh, an Air Force pilot who was just bombing the uh, North Koreans. And so he was completely detached from the war. He never saw any casualties. And he was taken in to the hospital because he was shot down. And he was in a hospital bed surrounded by children that he'd bombed. And that in itself was an amazing piece of television for 1974, 75, or whenever it was. Stunning. Mm. Stunning to say, we're not always the good guy, America. Mm. You know? Um, so, so, I mean, that's what I mean. It kind of, the first one that made me realize sitcoms. Now, it did have a lot of pratfalls in it. It did have looking into the shower, getting sprayed into the water in the face. That, that, that But it was a real bridge between I Love Lucy mm. and then the things that came later in the 80s and 90s. You could see it's actually a bridge the gap between, you know, that kind of nuclear family, family kind of sitcom and here's something with a bit of meaning. Here's some proper television, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, you couldn't have had a, seven, a sitcom in the 70s without someone falling over or without getting sprayed. However, you know, five minutes later, whole kind of silence of, from laughter and a serious message about a pilot actually seeing the consequences of his actions, you know? Yeah. So that's that's kind of, that's why I want to talk about it. It's kind of this... It tackled a lot of things. Now, there was a lot of sexism. There was a lot of bigotry in it. Mm. However, because it was period, it's it's hard to see how that wouldn't have existed. That's right. In 1950. You know? Well, of, course it would, of course it would have existed. Of course it would yeah. have happened. Which is, which, is, which is, it kind of pisses on the myth of cancel culture. Because, uh, I mean, cancel culture, of course, being actually consumerism. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it kind of pisses on the myth of cancel culture because there is sexism, there is racism in it, but it's it's a period piece. And to ignore that would be turning your back on it. So, for instance, the first – now, this is actually – this is really – a good thing to process in in um, our current climate, where everything's getting accused of being woke, everything's getting accused of of um, companies um, kind of bending to a left wing agenda. The hmm. first six episodes of Mash, and in the book and in the film, there's a character, a black doctor called Spearchucker. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Now oh. he's called. He's called Spearchucker, allegedly in the book, because he was really good at javelin. Hmm. So therefore, 
it's not racist. However, I defy you to find me a white javelin thrower called Spear Chucker from that time. And you, you can't. Wouldn't. Of course you, you can't. Of course it's racist. So the producers who were constantly doing market research found that people were uncomfortable with this character called Spear Chucker. So they quietly dropped him after six episodes. And this, to me, pisses on the myth that television companies and media companies are bending their will over to some woke agenda. It's been going on for years, since at least 1973. There's an example where TV companies, realizing they're capitalist, realizing they don't want to not cause offense, but unnecessarily be nasty. They self-edit. And it's a good, whenever anyone says to you, things are too woke these days, point them to MASH. Point them to the producers in 1973 saying, we don't want the kind of audience that that want this you know what i mean there's plenty of stories and there's plenty of examples uh that we can include of in period in time racism bigotry sexism homophobia without actually having to be so callous about it he, he will change the original text you know, so the same. So it, it's like the people that 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 pretend during the um, um, during the Pogue song at Christmas, and you've got all these rabid people going, "I should be able to say faggot." Do you know what I mean? Because that's how it was originally written. Mm. And it's like, well, things change, attitudes change, people are different, and there's no, it's not woke to be considerate towards people's feelings. So that's what I liked about that. That was a really big thing about that for me. In 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 now, as in I didn't notice it at the time when I was eight, nine, ten years old. But now it's a very obvious thing. It's saying actually, no, compassion and decency in our media has always existed. Does that yeah. make sense? Am I getting oh, a bit too ranty? No, Have I no, got a bit dude, guardian? No, no <laughs> Jesus, stuff. I would have stopped you if you'd have gone to if you'd have gone if you'd have gone guardian, we would have cancelled this right now. It was just no, I was just genuinely just listening. It's like, yeah, yeah, I, that was probably the most in-depth answer I could have I could have again, I could have asked for this has been an absolute dream. <laughs> an absolute oh, okay, cool. But I mean that, there's many other examples of it. So um Klinger. Are you aware of the character Klinger? No. Who, not um, so Klinger was um, a corporal, and he would dress as a woman in order oh, to get thrown out of the army. Yes. Yeah. And the reason why he dressed as a woman is because it was uh, being trans at the time was seen as a mental health issue. It's seen that you get kicked out if you were mentally un. Now again, there are people that still hold that view today. Mm. And what you can point to is in 1940, five, six, seven, people thought what you're thinking now. Take those 80 years and apply them to 1940s thinking. If you were alive then, you'd be in favor of witch burnings. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of so. I mean, that's that. That's what I like about the Klinger character is that he actually throws a lot. And if people are laughing for the wrong reasons, 
you're actually sure you know what i mean you're laughing at the ridiculousness of Klinger doing this you're not laughing at the mental health supposed mental health aspects of it and mm. if you are you're laughing for the wrong fucking reasons that's right you know um but it did i mean but again that was the attitudes of the 1940s it was if you but if then you again it's a set, but laughing at people, well, laughing at people who are well considered different is still an attitude that goes on today. Look at the yes. look at the um, look at the audition process for X Factor. You're not oh. there. You're not there to see. You're not there to see the the people who do well. You're there to see yeah. the people who are who fail. That's a fucking bin fire. I'm not going to yes. lie to you. I went in 2011. I went to go watch. The X Factor, um, the X Factor auditions, and to be fair, it's an absolute spectacle. The way they do it, it's really, it is really, it re- you do get really, really jazzed up, but you do yeah. see it for what it is because there was yeah. this woman who was absolutely terrible, and you could see the judges were laughing at her. So I go and get some food, and I'm gone for about thirty odd minutes. Mm. And she's still on stage when I get back. Because they're letting her make a fool of herself. Yes. Uh, see, that's grim. That's that's just... Uh, I mean, it's taking advantage of people who... No, well, you know what? If people want to go and do it, they can go and do it. Yeah. But it's it, it making a spectacle of it, making mm. it... Making that the show, which is what they secretly do... Mm. That's so. Uh, I mean, I've never, I've never gotten bored with X with these talent competitions. For what I was saying before, mm. certainly not with comedians, because comedy's subjective, and actually, singing's singing subjective. You can have the best range in the world, but you'll never sound like Ian Curtis. That's true. You know. You can you can have you can have the, the the you can you can sing all the finest karaoke songs, but Bruce Dickinson can go ah! like you know what I mean. So it's kind of it's it 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 it's music should be subjective as well as comedy. It shouldn't be a mass entertainment dot com, and that's what's a bin fire about it is the fact that if you give people the squalor and the no not squalor that's not fair but if you tell <laughs> if you t- if you tell people this is what's good enough and you mm. don't give them access to other stuff then of course people are going to just go for the same person singing the mariah carey song and warbling up and down mm. at the places you're supposed to warble up and down and rather meanwhile there's a band in leeds who's you know who aren't very conventionally attractive, but yeah. also they 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 don't have a heartbreaking story, but they're writing great songs, and you'll mm. never hear from them because well, the people that hold the gate keys. Mm. Well, it's kind of the same thing with sitcoms, really, because you've got the people who probably watch a mash, yeah, and for the people that don't really want to watch, didn't really want to watch mash at the time, love thy neighbour was on the other, was on the other oh. side. I mean, yeah, that's. That that I mean that show. This this is actually that's a good point about what what I was making about Mash being a bridge, mm. because it certainly created a bridge for shows like that. There would have been people watching Mash, laughing at the sexism at face value. 
Hmm. And there's people watching Love Thy Neighbor laughing at the racism at face value. Yeah. And you can have all the irony in the world, but you also have to factor in for the fact that some of your audience aren't. It's one of the reasons why I stopped doing roast battles. Yeah. Um, I, I love doing roast battles. I love doing them, and they get low, they get hurtful, and they get they be very. But there was you could see the more popular they got at the Angel, you could see more and more people were going to laugh at the meanness and mm. not two friends taking the piss out of each other. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's it's kind of that's the problematic thing with these things. Obviously, Love Thy Neighbor was a racist sitcom. Let's not. I'm not trying to put that in the in the Alf Garnet kind of situation where oh, yeah. um, you were supposed to be laughing at Alf Garnet. I love Thy Neighbor was a completely different beast. It was aimed at making, but those people are there and those people are still there. And should they be catered for? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't hmm. know. It's a, it's a, it's, it's. If I just asked myself a question there, sorry, <laughs> I'm just asking my own questions. I'm rambling. Shit, you talk more, man. I'm I just rambling. I mean, I don't, I don't know if they should necessarily. Well, I think everyone should have something for them. Yeah. And I think everyone should have a choice. And I think it is kind of your choice about whether you watch it or not. If that makes, if that makes any sense mm. whatsoever. But what if the thing for them? Mm. Oh my God! So this is taking a turn, hasn't it? So what if the thing <laughs> for them? To be fair, is... all the all the all the best sitcoms do elicit up these kind of conversations. So blame Mash for it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, <laughs> yeah, there was very definite se- uh, a lot of sexism in. I mean, in one episode, they auctioned off a nurse. Um, for charity so they've auctioned off one of the nurses for if you now oh now this was great because this is another kind of um pull back and reveal that would have had people going oh yeah nice 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 and then the pullback was brilliant the reveal was brilliant so they auctioned off a nurse for charity that if you you kind of contributed to a raffle ticket you could win a weekend in tokyo with a nurse of your choice mm-hmm. um, okay okay so you're assuming you're assuming all of the people buying the raffle tickets in MASH were men. Mm. However, and all the nurses were women. However, they rigged it so that the person that won was the chaplain. Mm-hmm. So he's going to Tokyo, obviously, with a nurse, mm-hmm. and there's nothing at all sexual because. <laughs> Father Mulhey is 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 the is that you know what I mean is 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 a traditional doctor. So it's kind of it kind of the reveal is is that you know kind of well yes we realise we're being sexist but we've not we're not putting this nurse in any danger. Um, I forget how we got into this. Oh right, so the sexism in Mash. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but. I mean, I think that happened. Yeah. I think that would have happened. I think there would have been a winner weekend away with a nurse and conditions were so bleak in Korea Mm. that the nurse would have been up for it. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of anything to get me out of this. I remember one episode where, again, Father McKay, so they used to get given these big research documents 
things to read about uh, of actual true life stories. Mm. A lot of the improvisation that they did, because they did quite a lot of improv, um, came from true, true life stories. Mm. And so Father Mulcahy once is being interviewed by a, a TV crew that had come to visit the MASH. And they said, you know, tell us about something that sticks in your memory. And he says, I remember watching the doctor cut open a patient and then warming his hands on the warm air that came out of the patient's body. Mm. So I, I think a lot of that, a lot of the episodes, certainly early on, would have been based on things that actually happened. You yeah. know what I mean? And maybe the father winning the the auction was the bit they put in to say, actually, you know what? We've been too sexist. Let's let's take it back a bit. Do you know mm. what I mean? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely is. I, I, but back to the other point. I don't know if everything should be made for people, as in you said, everyone should have a choice. Mm. I I don't know if there's if there should be a um uh if that should be a dogma. I wouldn't stop people making things yeah. for their audience. That's a different thing. But I think to think that there's there's a a some form of media responsibility to make sure everyone's covered. Mm. It's like well, it's like that been fire andrew neil he wants a right-wing news channel he's setting up a right-wing news channel crack yeah. on and set up your right-wing news channel but to think that an, a, a content provider should be providing that already i don't think i agree oh, no, i, I don't, don't think that yeah oh i, I agree that a content provider should because obviously we're in a capitalist society they should go with them they should go where the, yeah. where the money is and yeah exactly where they want to go exactly and i think that like you said if you want to create something for yourself and for your audience, yeah. you should be able to do it. You should do it yourself. Like yeah, Andrew yeah, Neil yeah. Is God bless him? He's doing it. Um, I, I, I'm not getting on board in the God blessing no. Andrew Neil. No. For the for the God part, the blessing part, or the Andrew or the Andrew Neil part. Which any part? of it. <laughs> any of it. Any of it. <laughs> I am in, I'm really enjoying the Andrew Neil meltdown at people boycotting his uh, advertising on his station and him going, oh, we're being closed down. It's like, no, it's capitalism. Yeah. People don't have to. Well, I mean, he's a massive capitalist and suddenly you're against capitalism. Yeah. It's like only you're only for it when it works for you, Andrew Neil. So yeah. but that's getting off the topic and I promise not to go too political. No. Uh, <laughs> Which I have done. But that's hard to not get political when we're talking about a political sitcom and arguably. Yeah, oh, yeah, totally. Yes, it's a massively political sitcom. Um, You know, and it was always talking about. um, It it was. It was. uh, When did it end? Was it 1952? The the Korean War, 1951? I believe. I can't remember. I know. I know that. I know the war went on for two years and the TV series went on for 10. (laughs) <laughs> uh, classic america but, just plugging yeah, but, shit out <laughs> um but yeah so they were always talking about eisenhower who was uh 1950 to present and previously truman in it so it was very very political and one of the great things about that um kind of crossing over the eisenhower truman boundary um was that they were able to criticize both sides 
you know they were able to have a go both Democrats and Republicans. Mm. Because even when Eisenhower wasn't president, he was still the commander in chief. Um, yeah, yes, of, of yeah of the of the uh, American army at the time. So he was able to. It was it was really really good that no one was was because everyone should be available for criticism. Mm. There should be no sacred cows on criticism. Even Metallica <laughs> should be. <laughs> You've gone too far now, that's Steve. A, that's, uh, a cool, that's a that is a callback if I ever had if I ever had. Yeah. <laughs> oh mate, I just got lucky. I just got lucky. <laughs> I did not plan. <laughs> I mean, you've seen my shows. If I don't do a callback in six minutes, it gets forgotten. Forgotten. Where were we? Yes. Oh, right. So I think. I mean, I've gone spiderwebby, and I've not finished a single point. However, if this was if this was one of my shows, I'd sing a song to tie up all the loose ends. But I've forgotten what the fucking loose ends are. Um, uh, mash political. Yeah. Ten, yeah, I, I, I just, I, so I mean, I just chose Mash. I mean, we should probably talk about the last three episodes as well. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm all right giving away spoilers here because yeah. it ended in 1983. If yeah. you haven't seen it by now, I don't, I'm not tiptoeing around anyone's <laughs> feelings. Um, you know, don't complain. Go and see a fucking sitcom that ended 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I mean, the last three episodes, Hawkeye, Alan Alda. Now, the last couple of seasons gets a lot of stick for being too schmaltzy, but they made this feature-length episode that they split over three episodes, and Hawkeye, it, 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 it deals with PTSD long before we knew what PTSD was. Mm. Um, you know, we used to call it shell shock, I think. Yes, that was, um, that's, the, that's the term. So Hawkeye is is kind of stood down from duty because he's suspected to be having a, a nervous breakdown. And he tells the story of being trapped on the back of a, a transport with a load of Korean refugees and a woman's holding a chicken. And there's a patrol, a North Korean, not a North Korean patrol go by. And so everyone has to be quiet. And this woman's got a chicken and the chicken's clucking. And he says, shut that goddamn chicken up. Mm. And the woman breaks the chicken's neck. However, the psychoanalyst psychotherapy reveals she wasn't holding a chicken. She was holding a baby. I remember he, I remember studying this yeah. in me in um in media studies A level and also at university. Yes. So yeah. the woman smothers her baby. So they all so the patrol doesn't find her. And Hawkeye has an absolute breakdown saying it wasn't a chicken, it was a baby. I remember now. And that in itself, for a final three episodes. Is dealing with something that in 1983 you didn't see on television because you came back from war and you didn't talk about the war because you were shell shocked. You were different. You were, you know, granddad's having a turn. Mm. 
and here it was on I mean, I didn't see, I, I think, I don't think I saw that until the late 80s because they reran it all from 1985 to 1989. But it absolutely blew me away in the fact that even 10 years after or seven years after, there was still nothing else like that finale. Mm. There was not playing it for laughs, not playing it cheaply, saying, this is what war does. This is the horror of war. It doesn't just kill the innocent. It doesn't just affect the innocent. It affects the people who witness it as well. And that in turn affects his family. And that, and do you know what I mean? Yeah. And this, and that has not been documented like that. There's been nothing like that to me in a sitcom that's been that hard hitting. And that big fucking message, boom. This is what you support when you vote to go to war. Mm. And only through humor or under the guise of humor, because there wasn't many laughs in those three episodes, last three episodes, but only under the guise of humor can you deliver that message to people who otherwise wouldn't get that message. And that's why MASH is brilliant. Yeah. Because of those messages that they also, I mean, that was the hardest hit and most memorable one, but all of those messages, they kind of about, you know what? Governments go to war. Soldiers don't. Mm. You know, the guy shooting, the guy shooting the American guy, the North Korean shooting the American guy, or the American guy shooting the North Korean have got more in common with each other than they ever will have with Harry Truman or Eisenhower or Nixon or Bush or, or whoever sends them to war. And that's, that's the harrowing realization of that final episode. That's right. Shit, man. <laughs> you, that's I yeah, it's because that is that's the bit of match that I remember that I remember mm. we had to discuss it, we had to discuss about the psychology and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And it does really, really hit home all the points that you just said about yeah, yeah. the government and the basically the the soldiers just being the pawns in the massive game of chess. Mm. If you had to, re if you had no choice, right? If the BBC gave you a shit ton of money and you had to remake it for today's audiences, how would you do it? I mean, the Iraq war is very, um, a very obvious target. I don't think I'd use the Iraq war. I think, oh, wow. I mean, I think, are we talking about a British audience? Either or. Are we talking about a worldwide audience? Well, British things are going worldwide now anyway, so it doesn't really matter. That doesn't really... I mean, I think I'd probably possibly make it a, a, about World War One, Rather than World War Two. I mean, World War Two has... It, it it still has the argument World War Two, doesn't it? It still mm -hmm. has the the well, we did bad things, but for good reasons argument. Yeah. But World War One, increasingly, it's very hard to see why. I, I mean, I'm coming from a working class angle again. I can see why people joined up mm. for World War Two, because it was a very obvious bad guy. Whereas World War One was about territory. It was about packs. It was about 
uh, it, it was it was about oil. It was, uh, if you ever watch, if you ever bored, go on um, YouTube and Google Rob um, Newman's oil show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very funny, very very clever. To be half as clever as half for half as long, I'd, I'd do anything. <laughs> um, it, you know, so I think I'd make it about World War One, and basically just because of it would it's an easier war i think for britain to kind of actually hold up and say we we might not have been the good guy mm. you know we might not have been the best so i think it's important for everyday people like me and you mm. and the audience of mash to realize that just because it's their country it doesn't necessarily mean they're the good guy. And we do a lot of good guy washing mm. in our history. And I think World War One would be... Now, don't get me wrong. I know that um, the Korean War was a joint effort. It was a UN kind of thing as well. And however, I think to, for, for Britain to highlight the horrors of war, World War One would be the one I would use. Um, I mean, it was done. Actually, you know what? It's been done on Blackadder. What the fuck am I talking about? I'd never. I wouldn't touch. I wouldn't fucking touch it. I wouldn't. Absolutely. Don't listen to me. You know, I'd. I'd. I'd, I'd do the Falklands and say, "Way, well, look at us." Uh, <laughs> I. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I've just that whole answer. Scrap it because Blackadder done it expertly um, about the horrors of war and how it doesn't matter what side you're on. The dead are dead, and but. I don't know. I honestly don't know how you could top or remake something like MASH. Mm. Um, I mean, it it did pad itself out with episodes of the week and antics and things like that. But every single season of 22 episodes or 26 episodes, there were eight or nine world-class belters. So, yeah, I, I couldn't honestly, I couldn't honestly, I would, if it was before 1989 and you offered me this, I'd, I'd have made Black Adder goes forth. <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah, it's been done expertly. So basically just leave it alone and I, and like, com- I completely agree, I think. Yeah, yeah, I don't think you can, pr- I, I mean, I think, I, 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 they tried to, so they tried to make Catch-22 into a TV series. Mm. And it, it didn't land because the humour is not, I thought it was all right. It's my favourite book. Uh, the film was very good, but I only enjoyed the film because I'd read the book, and mm. that's got a very similar narrative about the horrors of war and the pointlessness of war. Um, so, and I, th- I, th- I think God, if George Clooney can't make Catch Twenty Two into uh, a viable sitcom, what chance have I got with Matt? Yeah, exactly. Ah, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so- Steve, to wrap this whole, this wonderful, this wonderful. Yeah, sorry, man. You said 10 minutes on MASH and yeah, that was about an hour. Mate, this, oh. I couldn't have asked for anything more. Um, okay. Where, where can people find you? Oh, I mean, don't. Just leave me alone. <laughs> just leave me alone. Um, let me just get on with it. There's too many people finding me. No, um, I'm on Twitter. Uh, oh, Steve McLean. I'm very blocky, guys. I'm very blocky. I like an <laughs> echo chamber. Um, but uh, hopefully you'll be able to find me next Edinburgh if you if you if you can remember that long. 
Mm. Oh, oh, Steve McLean, he's got something to say. I haven't, but I give the illusion I have for about 50 minutes. Um, <laughs> and, and, then a five minute, and then a five-minute bucket speech. Exactly, you know what I mean? Yeah, kind of 45-minute show, five-minute bucket speech, end on a song. There's my That's tip. It. Always end on a song. It creates the, the, it, it, it creates the feeling that you've, you're tying everything up. You're not really. You're just mentioning everything again. Um, that's a tip, guys. That's a tip for new comedians. Always end on a song, then you don't have to think of a finale. Um, so, yeah. So hopefully, I mean, hopefully at some point in the future, you'll see me doing a show all about Metallica and and how much people are very protective of those, those gentle souls over at Metallica. Um, but other than that, yeah. I'm O Steve McLean on Twitter, uh, with Steve McLean on Instagram, and just Steve McLean on Facebook or Action Figure Archive on Facebook. Excellent. Come, Steve, and, come and find me. Steve, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm going to go do my dinner now, but it's been an absolute right, pleasure talking to you, man. All right, take care. Thanks yourself. for having me. Thanks You're for asking. Right. See you. Bye.